Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We have hit over a quarter of a million listens. Can you believe it? What the hell? What the hell? Guys, seriously, we don't know what's good or what that means, but it sounds like a pretty big number. People are coming back. (laughs) They're coming back. Oh, who, um, there was someone that posted that they listened to six in one day. Like that's epic. I love hearing all that. Wow. I had a girl message me, Danny, and she's like, I reshared one of the screenshots and she said to me, it was like. 1 p.m. on Sunday, and she was like to me, oh, I just found your podcast on Friday and I'm up to episode 27. Whoa, we spent the whole weekend with her. I love finding out where we go with people, like on a walk or on a car yeah. drive or, you know, to the toilet. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's a roller coaster ride. So thanks, everyone. A quarter of a mil. Yeah, I, I, I pinched myself. I can't wait because, you know, bring on the million. Bring We're taking over the world. A million, a million, a million, <laughs> as Lil Wayne sings. Yeah. Um, so we got a Q&A today, a bit of a mixed bag again. We do mm. that on purpose just because I feel like that's how our mind goes sometimes, a bit of this, a bit of that. I love it. It keeps things fresh. Yeah, ask um, the coaches. And it's a great opportunity for us to, you know, be able to answer some of the most common questions, some of the things that people don't like talking about, and just some of the answers that, you know, everyone wants to know more about. Yep. So should we get into it? We should. Um, so we'll start <laughs> off with um, our first question is from Holistic uh, Wellbeing. And she asks how to financially level up as an instructor or PT. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everyone would want to know this, you know, mm. we turn up to work to make a living to enjoy what we do, but also make money. And then it can be exhausting. We hit that ceiling. Once we take on X amount of clients and we hit our limit, cool. How do you level up? I suppose my number one piece of advice would be to, it depends how new you are, but do the time, do the hours, spend, find your niche, find what you're really good at. Okay. And then work from there. So if you want people to pay you more, rather than eventually wearing all the hats, find the one thing that you're really good at, that you specialize in, and then people will come to you. Yeah. That does take time. It does. I think as well, you know, it's really important because to me, a successful business, it has to have a profit. Like that's what a business has to earn money. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind, but what you want to start with is catering to uh, the smallest market that you can, that's going to be financially viable to you. If you can cater and over deliver to your specific Mm. niche, the people will come. And I think Everyone either has a problem with like recruiting, like getting clients or making, you know, demand, I should say. That's everyone either has like a problem with demand or systems or services, you know. So it's about identifying, cool, I need more demand perhaps, or cool, I need scale. Like I've got too much demand. My systems are going to break if Mm. I let everyone in. So this is when business coaching and perhaps not investing straight away, but reading books listening to podcasts, modeling what other people are doing, like seeing um, the other avenues and the other way people roll roll out their systems Mm. and think, would that work for me? Is there a way that I can include that? Yeah, beautifully said. And, um, you know, everyone or a lot of people talk about having an online business, which is a way to scale. It doesn't mean the workload is less. It means you just don't have one hour per one client. Okay. Mm. You get to service a number of clients for that time. And, and that's really useful. So, but I have had a few people come to me for mentoring who want to be an online coach, but they've never had online coaching themselves. And I'm like, "Mm, I would get a coach. Definitely learn what to do, learn what not to do and go from there as well. That's a huge one. If you're talking about moving online. Absolutely. It's like you, you probably wouldn't employ someone as a comp prep coach who, you know, hasn't really competed or or done those sorts of things because you want someone who understands Mm. empathy for you. So if you want to be an online coach, you have better experienced online coaching and know what you would do better or differently to stand out. Mm. Um, and something I do want to point out as well is, you know, when you are reading and looking around for different resources, when it comes to business, there's a fantastic podcast that we've mentioned before called the My Muscle Project. Mm. And they 
actually put out an episode uh, in the black and it's mm. about fitness uh, or sorry, business in fitness because it's such a niche new area, whether it's a gym, yeah. you're an online coach, you're a practitioner. There's so many nuances in the way that people are delivering fitness. And it's really important to know where to go um, for resources to learn more about it. So they have an incredible podcast. Um, I'd recommend heading over and subscribing and listening to some of their business advice because they do put out some really good stuff. Because that's the thing, you hear business podcasts, but it's from people who get three hours sleep, who do not have the body that I want. Yes, they're making a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but it's not related to fitness. I feel like there's a whole different category for business in fitness because you can't throw your own health and well-being under the bus, which a lot of these people do. Um, So that's why a resource like that is perfect because there's not a lot of information like that out there because it is very specific. Yeah. Yeah. And something that you mentioned there, Danny, which I think is so important is people often say, um, and I I hear people talk all the time being like, your body isn't your business. You're role modeling the type of coaching service that you're putting out. If you're like, you know, trying to be Gary V, if you're like screaming that sleep isn't important, that you're just going to work hard and drive yourself into the ground and drink coffee all day, every day to get through things, who wants to take out health advice from that? So Mm -hmm. I think role modeling the exact clientele that you want, speaking to your client, every post, every story, picture that, like I envision that, you know, sort of young teens or mid twenties, younger girl that I was that in in a way that I can understand. So I can sort of attract the people that I do want to attract to be able to work with. So, you know, it's not rocket science, but I think something really important to understand as well is people don't care what you know, unless they know that you care. And that line always resonates with me because, you know, you'll do well financially if your heart is in your business. Yeah. Yeah. And what a lot of people think is that being a trainer is like a holiday because it has turned into some glamorous thing on Instagram and for sure. And I thought that when I first started, but I can't stress this enough. It is a grind. You have to live and breathe this career. Mm -hmm. You cannot have a moment where you switch off, like you can switch off for, for a little bit and recharge, but you have to always be on. Who can I meet? Which, who's, who can I align with to help me grow my business? All right, what new skills can I get with my own training, with my clients' training? Like it's never ending and mm. it's hard work. So yeah. if you don't have that hardworking ethic in you, cool, you can get a job at a commercial gym and that's fine where they might pass you the clients and that's brilliant. But for the people who are striving to be different or be one of the greats or to have flexibility, you have to earn that right. Blood, sweat and tears. It is Mm. a grind. Mm. Yeah. And something like, I guess, you know, talking about the financial side of things, something that to consider is outsourcing and recognizing what your strengths and weaknesses are. So, you know, maybe you're fantastic at being the front of your business. How's the back going? Because that's Mm. just as important. And that was something I was like, oh my goodness, my books are a mess. Like I am not over systems and I need someone to help me with that. So I outsource so that I can continue doing the thing that I'm good at. Right. And we spoke about this with Danny. Remember how we were talking about, um, I'm fire and I just need to give more to fire and I need Mm. to give the wood away. And so some personality typing we've done. Yeah. As you can imagine, Sherelle and I are very fiery personalities. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) So, you know, Excel spreadsheets, oh my goodness, I'd, I'd hate it. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't waste my energy or time because that's what burns you out, doing mm. that stuff, right? When people are giving all their energy to shit that drains them, right? Luke loves Excel spreadsheets. He would spreadsheet stuff all day. Yep. That's fantastic. But, you know, it's about understanding your strengths and weaknesses so that you can grow your business to where you want to be and know that you've got to invest in other people, other processes and other resources to get there. You ain't going to do it on your own. Yeah, perfect. At the start, cool. I remember sitting down on Wix and making my own website and all of that and doing everything, all the calls, this, that. But yeah, you reach a ceiling either emotionally where you have a breakdown or you just need to sleep for two weeks and say, holy crap, what have I done to myself? And then look for a team. Don't be selfish. Don't feel like all your secrets need to be held close to your heart because no, you're not inventing new things. Just team up with someone. You know, we teamed up. Imagine doing solo podcasts. 
It'd be so hard. No, it couldn't. <laughs> so... It would be so hard. Even last night we were sitting up at 9pm getting these questions done. Like I did a 14-hour day yesterday and I think people don't see that, you know, you do so much more work when you're doing your own thing than mm. what what you would imagine. Mm. You know, it's not an eight-hour shift. And I wrote an email about this the other day. Is like I've probably spoken about this, but remember how I used to like, use the analogy and like watch the hospital doors shut. And it's how I left all my stuff in the hospital. I was like, finish shift, done. That ain't there anymore. The doors don't shut and lock things in. And you've got to find ways to be able to process because I'm such a multitasker. I'm so good at multitasking, but Mm. we know where that ends up. We need Mm -hmm. to be task orientated. So it's about, you know, working on yourself as a leader and as a business owner so that you can scale whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then you said as a leader as well and tapping into that leadership role. So obviously this is down the track, but you and I are really delving into that now because, yeah, we've been doing this for a long time and we've both created something that hasn't really been done before, which is cool. And we get limiting beliefs. We get all those thoughts coming up, but I'm treating, cause I've got my first seminars this weekend, but it would have just passed. Cause this comes out on a Tuesday. I feel like I'm doing a comp prep with my mindset. Oh. I've literally, I, yeah. Remember how I, for me, I need to get so Zen and we all <laughs> sort of do, but I didn't slam myself with work this week. I'm still doing my online stuff, but I limited face to face just to take myself into that character, that persona of being the leader, what you said earlier, Mm. I feel like, yeah, you've been talking about practicing what you preach and stepping into that role. You have to lead by example. People are watching. People are watching. And, you Mm. know, if you want to financially level up, well, Mm. give people something to aspire to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think as well, like financially, I am not driven by money. I think everyone knows what they're driven by, right? To me, I don't, I don't really, it's it's not like a, I want to earn all this money to have freedom sort of thing. I'm, I'm invested in, I guess, I'm driven by other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to know what your motivators are as well, because yep. I feel like financially, that's a side effect of just doing well. Like the money's going to come and I don't yeah. think you need to chase it um, because People pay for passion, right? Like if you're passionate about something, um, you can probably hear it in our voice sometimes when we're talking about back squats, mm, <laughs> right? And mm. we, can, we, we have passion about what we're doing. We'll never get sick of it. We'll never yeah. get sick. We just love it. Like, I don't feel like, I feel like I haven't worked a day since I've left the hospital. And yeah. if you have that mindset in what you're doing and you're looking other um, after the other areas so you don't burn out, mm. it's going to come. You just got to do the reps. It will for sure. Um, because I don't have someone like Luke doing the books or whoever you've got doing your books. When I was not paying attention to the finances, I was kind of, this was last year or the one after where I wasn't doing as well as what I am now, because my organization and focus was not really on finances because I was that passionate, but Hey, we work to get money and then we use that money to make better opportunities and bigger things to help more people. Okay. So paying attention to the numbers coming in to what you're spending to get your books in check, set yourself weekly financial goals. That still is very important. And Mm. the more I had someone hold me accountable to that and it was a game changer. So the more that I focused on my weekly earnings, cool, where am I spending my time? What's bringing in the most income? Then it just started growing and growing and growing because I wasn't just running around in circles, chasing my tail, just spending money here and there. So get organized with it as well. Yeah. And having understanding at the back end of your business of what is coming in Mm. is a way to give you a bit of calm and a bit of reassurance. So you don't feel like you're running around in circles and chasing money because you're like, oh no. Okay. And doing your budget, for example, this is something I think everyone, whether you're a business owner or working like um, for someone else, you need to know what's coming in, what's going out and Mm. what budget is. Don't leave paycheck by paycheck. Like, Mm. You know, you need to be able to delegate and almost like pay yourself and pay your savings and pay your rent so that you know where your money's going because that's going to reduce anxiety overall and you're not going to fixate on money. The more comfortable that you are with different situations and that's usually the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, I just last year got a really good accountant and mortgage broker and they do the work for me because I don't, I can't wrap my head around that stuff. I've got a basic understanding, but I don't want to spend the time doing all that um, Mm -hmm. to that level. So I just hired people. 
Yep, exactly. That's I think we're going to that to the nth degree. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That would be the whole episode nearly. <laughs> Should we move on? Yep, yep. <laughs> Miss Amazon, ectomorph and training. Could you mm. go into more tips and diet? I don't know if I believe in the whole meso, ecto, endo sort of morph sort of stuff. So we've got um, our arnies of the world who are the mesomorph who sort of believe to sort of have more um, thicker muscle bellies, well-developed athletic appearance. And then you've got your ectos, um, which are sort of tall, lanky, usually by frame. And then endo, which tend to be the people that um, have a hard time losing weight, short, stocky, slow metabolism. You don't think that's a thing? No, it's actually characterized by personalities back in the day. Really? Yep. It's actually Mm. characterized. It comes from psychology, the body types. So the the mesomorph are the people who are more outgoing and more spoken and blah, blah, blah. And the endomorph are the slower, more withdrawn, um, quieter people. It's actually a terminology in psychology and they've associated it with different body types as well. That's interesting, but it's kind of like the chicken or the egg. What came yeah. first, the DNA and the body type, then the personality or the personality and then the, the DNA and the body type, you know what I mean? That's yeah. interesting though. I've never really looked into the psychology of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so maybe we should just say for someone who struggles to put on weight. Yeah, it's true. Can I read what I found though? Oh, you is, found something. Read yeah, it. Yeah, so it says Sheldon <laughs> classified people according to three body types or somatotypes. Is that how you say yep, it? Yeah, somatotypes. Yeah, so endomorphs who are round and soft um, were said to have the tendency toward a visceronic personality, so relaxed, comfortable, extroverted. Mm. Um, mesomorphs who are square and muscular were said to have a tendency to be uh, somatic and more outgoing um, personality, so dynamic, assertive, aggressive. And ectomorphs who are thin and fine-boned were said to have a tendency towards um, introverted thoughtfulness, inhibited and sensitive. So they're actually things in psychology. So this is why I'm sort of like, look, I think our environment impacts so much more than the body type that you're born with. Mm. So I think we have the tendency to be able to change more than what people think. And I don't think just because you have a hard time losing weight that you're going to have those personality traits. And I don't think that you, it's beneficial to categorize yourself either. Cool. That was interesting because I reckon I've been all of them. I had yeah. an ectomorph body when I was a tennis player, mesomorph when I was a bodybuilder, endomorph in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and my personality did change. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So like, don't get me wrong. You're definitely going to have, your morphology is going to be different. Mm. So you might be someone who's tall, um, long muscle bellies, harder time gaining weight. But I believe that actually comes down to, well, if you're taller, then you're probably going to have higher TDE. So how many calories you need. Mm is going to be dependent on your lifestyle. You might be more active, for example, so you've got less time to eat. Like there's so there's many. There's a other, lot in it. There's so many other variables. And I don't think that we go, oh, you're a mesomorph, so you're athletic. Like mm. I don't think that's fair. I think some people, like it's very coincidental that a lot of bodybuilders uh, sort of classify themselves as mesomorph. It's like, no, nah, they've just done the reps and the time and they've built muscle mass. Yeah. Like, you can't change, obviously, you know, how thick your muscles look you can't Mm. change the structure of your glutes or your delts or whatnot you can increase the size of them so for someone who's tall and lanky it's going to take more work should i say to be able to build that muscle mass up visually to have the same appearance as someone who's got shorter limbs yeah more compact and the muscle goes into a cute little parcel yeah okay (laughs) so for someone um you know who would think that they are an ectoplasm off um diet train yeah. hard eat a lot you know, <laughs> sorry it's... for the broad answer but you know so in terms of tips if you're struggling to get your meals in for example just have higher calorie meals or yeah. have you know shakes with you see some of those guys and then they can just have those shakes with peanut butter oats chocolate everything that my life i've ever imagined yeah but it's just so high calorie because they're like yeah i can't get enough calories in like yeah yeah. um so you can use shakes just put a lot of effort into how hard you're training and the amount that you're eating 
Yeah. Protein. I've got a friend um, who's recently just got into the gym and he's six foot God knows and um, he lives on a farm, but he's a teacher as well. And, oh. you know, tall, skinny, athletic, wants struggling to put on weight. He hates that he can't put on weight. And he yeah. was asking me on the weekend, he's like, you know, what do I need to do? And and I was like, you just need to eat more. And I was trying to give him some advice, some practical advice. And he was like, but I just, I'm not hungry. And that's yeah. usually the, the problem is like, because you're trying to give yourself calories, they actually don't have the appetite. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been in building phases before and you're like, I just don't want to eat. Like I'm not yeah. hungry. And that's obviously a lot of things like your leptin and everything like that. But I was helping him try and find a um, like a mass gainer sort of protein. Oh, yeah. I was doing some research. I was like, let me just see if I can find a shake, right? Yeah. This shake I found, I was like, okay, one serve, 1,200 calories. Whoa. <laughs> but if I looked at him, I would say, look, he'd probably need 5,000 plus calories oh, to be in a build, um, yeah. a decent. And the problem is, is that some people just speed up when you feed them more. So mm. then you're sort of chasing your tail until you get to a point and it's when you get an inflated maintenance um, and their calories are like, you know, 5,000, they're still losing weight. This is usually for men, not girls. We, yeah, we yeah. can't do that. No. <laughs> um, but when I was looking at these shakes, right, it's full of shit. Like it's full of just garbage carbs. And um, the serving size was like 85 grams. Mm. So it's expensive, right? Like if you're yeah. buying like a tub and it's got 10 serves and it's like 60 bucks. Like that's, that's expensive in my opinion for a supplement. So I was just saying to him, look, you know, you need to get like calories are king. So fats. And I was just saying to him, like nut butters in your shakes, bananas, eggs, like no diet foods, sort of reduce your fiber and get some more like, you know, grains and stuff like that in. So you can fill up in that way. It mm. really just comes down to strategy, more frequent meal times, um, as well as I think monitoring your need. If yep. you're someone who does move more. So like, holy shit, you've done 20,000 steps. It's like, oh, you've just outdone your surplus. Yeah, 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 exactly. Again, there's a lot of factors into yeah. this. Um, it's not an easy answer. It's not an easy answer, but um, slow increases as well. You don't want to just put on a whole bunch of body fat. So yeah. slow increases and match that with your training for sure. Yeah. And I just think having like a fat shake, like, you know, including like a shake once a day, second brekkie, I tell a lot of my clients um, that are building up calories that struggle because we have a tendency to backload calories girls we're like i'll save it i'll save it Mm. and that's that's not beneficial at maintenance or building in a surf or trying to increase your calories because you actually want to put those calories around your training and make it more yeah because they show that if you actually consume more of your calories in the first portion of your day, your NEAT levels will go up. So you'll oh, use yeah. those energies and those calories more efficiently. Whereas if you're backloading and binging before sort of bed so that you can have your tub of ice cream or a really huge dinner, it's probably going to impact your sleep and you're just yeah. not prioritizing the carbs um, appropriately. So something I just tell my girls is have a second breakfast. Like how good's brekkie? Have two of them. Mate, I always have a second breakfast. <laughs> breakfast is, a, is, is the half daily event. Like oh. it's not just one i have my breakfast my first meal do what i need to do bit of work have a coffee go for a walk come back pre-training breakfast that's this is before 10 a.m then we're ready for the gym then we come back home and have a big lunch yeah you gotta um put your food around your training for sure and look every now and then you want a big tub of ice cream as you said at night but not every night you wake up feeling gross you're not hungry in the morning sluggish like you won't sleep as well so food around your training yeah yeah Good. I hope that answers your question. Moving on to our next question. Um, she asked, despite training for two years now, I still make mistakes in some exercises. Is this normal? Uh, this brings me down sometimes and makes me feel like an, I'm an incompetent coach. Should I get a coach before training others? Mm, and this is so common. I feel like people think this the whole way. I don't know enough. I don't know enough. Blah, blah, blah. But look, if you are making mistakes in exercises, ideally you don't want to be. It's common. It shouldn't be normal. Mm. Um, Get a coach, 100% get a coach. Get your confidence up. You want to feel like you know what you're talking about and and that will bring more clients your way. That will allow you to feel authentic in the information that you're delivering. Mm. Um, We've all been there. I remember starting, I remember in my Cert 3, and I put this on my story the other day, I remember in my Cert 3, I had to demonstrate a lunge to the class. I could have curled up into a ball. I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know the cues. I'm there, like full on. Um, And then I just practiced, asked for help, got coaches, 
best way to learn. Yeah. And I, I want to challenge her on this because she said, I still make mistakes in some exercises. They're not mistakes. Like it's normal to have little errors in the way we do things. You know, you want to be refining what you're doing. They're just lessons. You know, well, it depends what you mean though. If you're giving someone a round back deadlift, right? Depends. You know what I mean? We'll give it the benefit of the doubt. I still make mistakes in some exercises. So yeah, the definition of a mistake, but in my opinion, you know, learning a new exercise is a learning process. You're going to make errors. That's okay. Mm. Every time you learn something new, it's never going to be perfect. You know, neurologically, you've got to adapt learning any new skill. My training partner is trying to convince me to go out and do BJJ with him. And I'm like, oh, do I really want to try and learn something new? Because for the first month, I'm going to be shit. And that was my mentality. I was like, it's going to suck. I hate Mm. that learning thing, you know, Mm. where you've got to learn something new. That's normal. And you've got to go through that learning stage before you can become proficient at something. But if you're, if you're, I guess, making the same errors and you know, within yourself that there's better ways to do this, but I don't know how it's Mm. not practice. I don't know how then yes, invest in coaching. I think, you know, you probably answered your own question in that. Yeah, for sure. Um, And if you're doing a trial and error process with your teaching and coaching, just make sure you give your clients a light weight. Mm. You know, just don't do this with a heavy weight. While you're learning, we earn the right to add weight. Okay, skill practice. Practice those skills, lighter weight. But definitely ask for help. No one wants to feel incompetent. No, no. Yeah, you need to build confidence. And to do that, Mm. um, you know, you have to build the skills and it comes with repetitions. And if you don't know, ask. Ask for help. There's nothing wrong with doing that. No, not at all. Mm. Cool. Let's move on, hey? Uh, Coach ELJ, what would have made your journey as a trainer and a coach easier? What would you like to have known more about? Hmm. That's a great question. It's hard because at the time you don't know what you don't know, right? And I mean, we made an episode on getting started in the fitness industry, how to choose a good coach. Mistakes we've made. Mistakes we've made. I think when I, yeah, that was the first one, wasn't it? One of, yeah. Oh, cute. Um, so what would have made your journey a little bit easier? I wish I knew that it wasn't going to be easy. Mm. <laughs> to be honest, I thought again, it was going to be a holiday and cool. I'm a PT. I'm so cool. It's going to be a breeze. This, that I ha- had Michelle Bridges on the radio telling me how good it is. Richo, you know, all the ads like this is cool. It's yeah. a grind. I wish I knew that earlier, yeah. um, but I probably wouldn't have changed anything. It would have just been less of a shock to be honest. Yeah. In, I don't wish I knew anything differently, to be honest, because when I first started, like even in the Instagram space or in the training space, I was very naive and I, I was very, I guess, um, impressionable. So I just do a lot. And I think that's important to go through. Mm. Like for me, like now I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, like I didn't have a lot of context to things and you'd give out sort of advice, but that's because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And that was important for me to go through that. I look back at some of my stuff. I'm like, wow, I was so confident in the way I was promoting <laughs> keto. Like I was so <laughs> confident in that waist trainer. You know, yeah. I was so confident because I didn't have context yeah. and you can only learn up to your current level of knowledge. And for me at that certain time in my life, that was my current level yeah. and you build on that. Like it's important to always build on that. So Mm. I've done so much stuff, like every single fad diet, every single fitness trend, like I've trialed it. I've trialed Mm. everything Mm. because I love sort of doing that. I like using myself as like an experiment and making my own decisions rather than like listening from others. Um, So for me, I'm glad that I, I did all that sort of stuff and I'm glad that I had great coaches and I'm glad that I had shit coaches and I'm glad that I had everything in between because yeah. you learn about what you want to do and you take little bits of knowledge from everyone. You know, yeah. you leave things you don't want because you're like, mm, I wouldn't do that or I'd do that differently. Um, or you, you know, you learn from coaches what you do want to do or what you don't want to do. Yeah, perfect. Because when we look back on our journey, you know, both and I are happy with where we're at and we don't settle, but we're I'm proud of us, you know. Um if I went back and changed something, who knows where we'd be now? Like mm. we had to go through the lows. We had to go through the highs to to learn the hardship, the being naive and confidently promoting things. And me saying, I'm going to win my first WBFF show. I had to go through all of that to learn the lessons. Mm. And I feel like 
the deeper you get into this industry and into your own mind and the person that you want to be, it gets harder because the stakes are higher. Everything, you know, another level, another devil, as we spoke about on our episode, it gets harder. So enjoy the new times, but um, always stay hungry, never stop and Mm. always ask for help. That yeah. they're the things that have carried us through this. Um, yeah. But then don't be scared to be you. Mm. I think that's the thing that people struggle with the most. It's all good and well to model things off people who, you know, they're doing well in an area that you are, but there's only one you. Pick mm. a little bit from that person. Like what you said, pick a bit from the other person and then use it to create your own identity. Mm, yeah and it's like that saying and it goes you know the more you learn the more you realize you don't know it's Mm. so true because that's why we always say it depends because it does it depends on so much context Mm. and no one has the same process that they go through you know and it's almost like it's almost like a burden to have so much knowledge sometimes because you'll be doing something or you might get an exercise prescribed to you, right? And like, you'll be like, why am I doing this? Like, isn't this a better way? You might question things. I find myself doing that all the time, questioning what I'm seeing. And that's just because you develop more knowledge in certain areas. So naturally you question things. In the past, I wouldn't question. I don't know. I just do what's given to me. Whereas now I question. And I think it's really important to question. Like I encourage all my clients to question me because I've Mm -hmm. got an answer. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, And something actually I wish I did. So I wish I questioned what I was doing. I wish I asked why. Cool. Yeah. And that's really good too. I feel like a lot of people just want to be spoon fed the answer. Mm. And I love that both of us do that with our clients. You know, we both want to educate because there's nothing worse than them finishing X amount of time with us and, and feeling lost at the end. Like they didn't learn anything. We want you guys to be able to leave the nest and feel confident to do things on your own. And I think the fitness industry needs more of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So ask questions. The fitness industry is built off a reliance model where people go into certain services and products and have to develop a level of reliance to get a result. And that's not the way that you create sustainability. Yeah. You need to be able to get tools from people rather than being like, I have to stick to this meal plan. I have to stick to this training program to succeed. And when I leave this, it's gone and I don't have the skills or the knowledge. I'm always like, look, if you go into the gym and and that that exercise isn't going to serve you today, don't do it. Don't go into your session and don't feel like you have to follow this prescription that's what I used to feel like I'd be like nope if I don't go in and we spoke about this on the um, training episode if I don't Mm. go in and I don't do x y and z you know when and again like when I broaden my knowledge and be like no I'm training to put stimulus across muscle fibers I'm training for movement patterns I'm training for this you develop that sort of knowledge to be able to customize accordingly and almost sort of coach yourself and learn that art as well and be flexible with methods yeah, and it just comes with time and confidence. We definitely weren't like that at the start, oh, but no you way. grow into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Moving on. So um, next question is how long should it take to get stronger in an injured muscle? Yeah, well, this really depends on what the injury is, um, if you've actually torn it. You know, so there are so many ways you can injure a muscle. It can be like a repetitive strain thing where you're doing something over and over and over again in a poor movement pattern to injure it. So technically it won't get better until you stop doing that thing um, and or change your technique. Or if you've torn a muscle, it can take, you know, two weeks, one week, mm. a month, really depends as well. Mm. Um Yeah. So really, I suppose when people come to me or us injured, we need to work out, okay, what is the cause in the first place? If there's direct trauma, like they twisted it playing sport or they fell on it or something like that, it's going to need a timeframe to heal. Mm. And there's generalized guidelines for that. It doesn't mean we stop training altogether. Again, we work out what we can do go Mm. from there but it's Mm. going to take some time it might be a little bit inflamed it might be disconnected we don't know um or they they have a poor movement pattern poor technique there are strengths there are weaknesses right well nothing's going to change until you change your technique so that's why you get people who are sore getting treatment but then going back to the same movement patterns injuring themselves again getting treatment feeling good injuring themselves again well, we need to break that cycle by looking at what they're doing in the gym, what they're doing every day in their life, and then making that change there. So change mm. those movement patterns. Yeah. yeah. So it really depends on, on what the injury is. 
Yeah. And I think something that you always see is like people still go into the gym and do what hurts. And I think like the most obvious thing, you've got to remove the stimulus so that your body can desensitize to whatever you're doing, because maybe you've done something to a point where you actually just need to stop doing that movement pattern. Like just leave it alone, leave it alone, do something else, let the pain go away first, like let it recover let the body heal. It's more than capable of doing so and then revisit it and then be like, Oh, okay, I'm actually still feeling that a little bit. What am I doing? What am I noticing now? Rather than when you're acutely, um, you know, injured, like don't try and get blood out of a stone. It's the same as if you had a surgery, like you're not going to go in and like, you know, you've had um, like an open hysterectomy. You're not going to go in and do abdominal crunches. Oh God. Leave that area alone. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very extreme example, but it's right. It's true. And people get so attached to their routine, yet they're in debilitating pain. And it's like, you just got to let go of the low bar squats for a bit. Let's just do high bar or goblet squats just for a little bit. Please, like, trust me, it's okay. Um, But yeah, a lot is in it. That's why I would never tell, and we both would never tell someone to stop training because we understand why people train. It's your mental health. It's your well-being. It's how happy you are when you're talking to your partner, when you're talking to your mum. you know, it is your life. So we will never tell you to stop, but listen to us when we say, cool, we'll just make a little change for now. You can still train, but we'll just make a change. And then your pain, you know, let it recover. And then we build back up into it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's a lot harder to lose muscle than what people realize as well. So if you have to pull back on your training for a few weeks or whatnot, you're not just going to fade away into nothing. You're not going to lose all your results. You're actually going to get ahead because no one, you know, no one sort of delays their progress by resting. You know, you're only ever going to get ahead by resting more and allowing your body to recover so that you can get to a place again that you can train hard. Because if you just keep trying to push it when you're injured and push it, you know, every lesson is just repeated until it's learnt. So if you're going to keep doing those motor patterns the same way and not establish new ways of doing things, you're going to keep getting injured. And that's frustrating. Like I've gone through that vicious cycle Mm. as well with lower back pain. Um, And it took me so long to, you know, unlearn movement patterns, relearn and then get to a place. But I tell you what, when I did, like I grew so quickly because I had the intensity there. I just, yeah surprising a lot of people do right they're strong but they're in pain and that's that to me it's like imagine what you can do when that goes away imagine how much you can grow imagine how much more stimulus you can apply on the muscles so it's just about you know training intellectually and training with your body and not trying to fight it yeah, hundred percent. Strength is a skill. Like people think that strength comes from having big muscles, but you need to learn the movement pattern. And then once you aren't new to the movement pattern, that's when you'll be able to fully execute it and then use all your muscles mm. um, and then become stronger. So, you know, we've all learned how to squat for the first time. You feel very wobbly and you oh. might be strong enough to lift X amount of kilos, but because it's a new movement and you haven't developed the skill, it's going to feel really heavy. Practice, mm. practice, practice, practice. And then we get strong. So practice more skills, you know? Mm. Yeah, you might be injured. Cool. Skill-based training, like what we said last time, technique-based work. There's always something you can do. Yeah. That is something I wish I knew was that strength was a skill and really understanding Mm. the physiology behind it and sort of not being married to certain exercises that I thought would give me the results when strength isn't something I'm sort of primarily motivated by. Um, So it is a really important factor to know that like the Mm. more that you do something, the better you are going to get at it. And that's the same with some of those compound lifts, like the people that are strong at it, they've been doing them repetitively for a long period of time. Uh, It doesn't mean that they can have more muscle mass than you. So mm-hmm. it's really important to understand the difference, I guess, between strength training and hypertrophy and understanding how they can bleed together instead of being like, no, I'm a power lifter or I'm a power builder. You know how people are like, oh, I like don't do both. You, you can do both at certain periods, but have a focus in what you're working towards. Yeah, yeah. Actually, back to um, Coach ELJ's question, you're right. What I wish I learned earlier activations and warm-ups I did not do that shit when I started or teach it actually so yeah that's that's my answer (laughs) duh I wish I learned how to activate the muscles properly and how to move properly beforehand to get myself ready for the lifts rather than just rocking up to the gym and getting straight under the bar 
Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Very important one. Um, <laughs> there's so mm. much I wish I knew, but I'm glad mm. that I learned it when I did. And that's the difference. It's like if I, I guess that one, like if you learned that one, how to actually move properly right at the start, that's something I did wish I did like had done. Mm. And that, mm. we've spoken about that is like, just have training right at the start. Like you don't need to pre-qualify for coaching, right? Like you do it at the start. I'm not going to go and do um, BJJ or, or martial arts and just be like, nah, I'm just going to go do it on my own for a little bit. Like how mm. backwards does that sound? But then we mm. go into a gym and just think we can do it. Yeah, that's so true actually. Yeah. Are you actually going to do it? I'm so tempted. Yeah. Yeah. Just stay focused <laughs> on your competing goal as well. Yes. Yes. I know. I know. Cause you That's- can't, can you hurt yourself in those sports? I know you need where I've got people who do those sports um, and you need hectic glute strength. So you'll be fine. So anyone who's a BJJ <laughs> athlete that come to me, get them on the hip thrust. Cause you're lying yeah. on the ground. You need to be able to thrust Ridding. your opponent up, mm. but don't you dare fucking hurt yourself. I'll kill That's you. what I said. I'm like, I'll, I'll <laughs> I hip thrust all you. these guys into next week. They won't know. <laughs> happening um but i would yeah i'm 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 conscious of time more than anything of how much Mm. time commitment i've got because when i want to learn something i want to do it well you know like i'm not doing something to go and do a freaking les mills step class right like i if i'm going to develop a skill i'm going to work consistently to develop a skill so it's Mm -hmm. not on the cards at the moment somewhat could be convinced in the future i don't know don't quote me guys because one day i'll be like all right, guys, I'm martial arts. <laughs> You'll come in wearing your little white belt. I'll be like, what are you doing? I'm doing it just for that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I've always wanted to wear one of those outfits. Yeah. 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 The main thing that I want is I would love a form of cardio that is skill-based. And that's for me. So That, that could I be could... anything. Give me examples. Running. Yeah, that's but... a skill. Anything's a skill. What do you but mean? Running is not going to, because I would love to run, but I know how much that would actually probably interfere with my actual. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't do it, goals. but it was an example. Yeah, but <laughs> something like martial arts or BJJ would complement because it's not going to interfere with my bodybuilding training. So yeah, that's yeah. why I'm like, because I ran on Boxing. the treadmill for 10 minutes yesterday and I felt. Did so you? Like, I did. What the hell? Well, well Luke, Were I'm you bored. I'm supporting Luke at Anytime Fitness while he trains. Oh, so I just go with him yes. and do a little bit of cardio or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, and, but the thing is, is like, I love running Danny, but mm. I love it. I would run for an hour, mm. but I just got to be careful because I love that endorphin rush. Sort of that adrenaline feeling endurance is like my thing, but yeah, I'm mindful of it's going to impact with my lifting if I try and. Oh it. Yeah. Nothing like I did think about pole dancing. I know we spoke about that before mm-hmm. lockdown happened. Um, I did think about pole dancing. So that's something cool. that's skill-based. I would like to do something skill-based to help me with cardio. We should do a pole dancing class just for a laugh. Just one. <laughs> I think no, that would be so funny. Because I sort of thought that would have a really good crossover into um, posing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 And yeah. even things like your core strength. And so mm. I just want, I want something that I would be excited to go and do um, yeah. rather than something that's just, you know, flogging yourself in some stupid cardio class that I'm actually not getting better as a person or yeah. doing anything at. I would much <laughs> rather like a progression in some form of aerobic work. You know what would be cool, Cardio? I just had flashbacks. I remember going down to time zone and then you had those um, on the ground, the lights, and you meant oh, to yeah. da- dance, dance revolution. I yeah. would love to do that for Cardio. Just pop on down, <laughs> you put a few tracks on and just have a dance. That'd you'd get those epic. tickets. You'd get the tickets. And you know what I did? It. I was one of those kids where all of my prized possessions, I couldn't use it because I had to save it. I don't know why. I think because my brother, he's younger, he would always come and use all my stuff and wreck everything. So I was very protective of everything. <laughs> I had hundreds or thousands of time zone tickets. I had a whole hoard in my room, so many, but then everything turned into using the card and I never got to use them in the first place. Oh, like no. Ever. I was doing When I got older, I found them. I'm like, well, that was a waste of my childhood. Yep. So yep. the moral is... Use your time zone tickets. No, no, no. It's the Seriously, don't, don't save wait. things. I'm big on that. Don't save that dress. Don't save the perfume. Don't save that mascara. Mm. Like use all your good stuff now. Use you never it. know what's going to happen. 
Yeah, save some money, but also use it. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's important. Um, but I used to be the same. I used to save things and be like, oh, this dress, I'll save that for a special. Like every you day. You get over it and grow out of it. Every day is a special occasion. Oh, aren't we getting all cute? That's so no. true. Let's <laughs> move like, on. Nah. Let's move on. <laughs> nah, moving on. Skill-based um, martial arts. Turn into a stripper. That's it. Um, hey, it's a win-win. <laughs> all right, read it out. Um, Jamie, thoughts on belt squat machines and squat press, squat press, leg press for back limitations, squat press, like, yeah, squat press, leg press. So like, okay. (laughs) Um, Squatting machines. I don't like the belt squat machine. I don't like how it feels around my hips. You need a really solid brace to be able to hold that belt in that position. So if Mm. you've already got back problems, more often than not, I would not get you on a belt squat. Mm. Um, It's heavy anyway. It's a stupid machine. I I tried it. I wanted to love them. I've used a few different ones. I really wanted to. Sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Yeah. Load your your pelvis, like whatever. It's stupid. You know, one, you can't naturally adopt the stance that you want Mm -hmm. because you're limited by a belt. For me, I need a more of a wider sort of stance for hip mobility Mm -hmm. um, and it's limiting for that. The other thing is the belt hurts like hell. The belt hurts. Yeah. We're not soft either. Like the belt hurts. Yeah. No. Because it tilts your pelvis into a way, the levers, and then it has to be really tight, Mm -hmm. like on the glute drive machine machine with mm. those belt machines i feel like they're all really big because they have to mm. accommodate for all shapes and sizes which is great but to get it in a proper position for your hips is very unlikely yeah and then it's just yeah. going to sit on top of your hips and drag you yeah. down mm. yeah mm. and this like if you have a shit set up your execution is going to be rubbish as well so yeah. if you're uncomfortable if your feet are in the wrong position if you've got some weird belt digging into you and it hurts you know they're all going to impact the way that you perform the movement especially if you're feeling pain somewhere from a belt or something like that that's a big no-no when you're about to do a lift so something as well like with that belt for the glute drive do you get like a pain on your right side on your hip where it pinches does it pinch specifically there for you no, no, because you know how I use the knee sleeves? It's yes. Really if you soft. don't, though. If you oh, don't. I have not yeah. not tried it. Try it because everyone well, it doesn't I've, sound nice. No, no, like not a bad, but like when it digs in, it digs in on the right side. Everyone Maybe. that I've so, spoken to, every female, doesn't happen to guys, but every female that I've spoken to, it's something to do with this right side. And I don't know whether it's the way the buckle sits. Oh, you know it's how- the belt because when you cross it over, there's a double up of the thing. It, it's on the right. Mm. Yeah, well, that's what I thought, right? And it just... I'm like, who who designs these machines? Are they not thinking about, you know, perhaps putting a nice sheepskin belt there? Well, maybe we can come up with a new level up glute drive. <laughs> belt covers. Oh, that's a belt good covers, idea, Danny. And now covers. that I've shared it with thousands of people, no one take the idea. I feel, like it might be, I feel like it might be a hygiene thing, the material that it's made out of, because it's a lot of them. They're not, um, you know, something that's soft and, and things like that, it might collect. Yeah, imagine someone's sweaty crutch yeah. sheepskin yeah. all over your pelvis. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I think it might be like an OHS sort of thing but they um, could cross over in the middle it could instead of having one side well that's yeah, why I'm just like, wear knee uh, sleeves under it surely there's people that trial this stuff but there is so many shit glue machines out there us, no they don't there's so many shit glue machines out there i look at that and i'm like that doesn't even make like but they're all new man they're all new like mm. they only just came out remember the first time we saw one a couple of years ago we thought we found the holy grail like, yeah what is this contraption yeah. 10 kilos each side pumping them out <laughs> yeah go sherelle go danny yeah <laughs> oh man but some of them i'm like like there's there's one I won't name it, but it's like your feet are further away. I'm like that must get well, that so much work. hamstring. Mm. Like that makes no sense to me. Or one that's like, like the the thing about the glute drive is it's got back support. So yeah. You know, a lot of them don't have back support. And I'm like, well, what's the point? Like, mm. put some back on. I can understand, but I, I just for me, I'm like, there's got to be better ways. And I think it's just I don't know. The designers don't. <laughs> train glutes <laughs> savage um savage on. yeah on. Well, you know what though any machine and back to the question about you know back limitations and all that mm. i wouldn't rely on a machine to help that i would find out you know 
um, which body weight exercises you can do first and work on that. Because even if we jumped on the glute drive or the belt squat or a leg press, and we think we're supported on the back, you still need to know how to brace. You still Mm. need to know how to keep your core tight and utilize your glutes. Even if you have a board behind you for the Mm. back support, it's not your way out to let go of your whole core. Like you need to pretend that there's nothing behind you when you're on those machines. Yeah. I think that's what people um, on the leg press, you see people come down too far that their lumbar spine rounds. Yeah. Don't want that big, deep brace bring your legs back towards you just to your comfortable range and then push up, exhale at the top, keep that brace every time. So I don't know what a squat press leg press is. Is that the one where you sort of, maybe we went on that one where you're upside down at your gym mm, and it feels yeah. like the world is caving in on you, but that vertical feels amazing. Press. Look, my name was a little bit more creative, but yeah, the vertical leg press. <laughs> I think um, squat pressing machine. So she's referring to hack squats, pendulums, leg presses, oh, 45 yeah. degrees, anything that's a press movement. And, you know, I like completely agree with you in saying that it's not a way out um, if you're having back limitations, but they're safer options than, mm. you know, going for a low bar back squat. I wouldn't like if you've had sort of back, if you're having back issues, you need to address the problem. And I would be going for something like a, a heel elevated goblet squat, like loading differently. Yeah. See, that's perhaps- not a machine though. Cause I no, would no, do no. what you're doing too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But if I'm going to push hard on a squat, it's on something like um a pendulum um like or it's on something like a hack squat like if i want to go to failure i'm not doing it with free weights and no one should be anyways not not to failure no um so leg presses are great for that like i think fantastic if you want to jump in sort of a a machine uh, and you've got good technique with the machine and Mm. you're using um you know the machine to learn how to brace as well like using the leg press to create stability inside and using your breath and all those sorts of things as well um it can be less taxing on your back Mm -mm. the the rule is if it hurts don't do it and find out you know which movements that you need but it doesn't mean we turn a blind eye to doing squats because you drop something on the ground at home you need to pick that thing up Mm. squat deadlift we can't hide behind machines but again it depends yeah Mm. (laughs) it's a no for belt squats for me but i do like other variations and i will say as well the i'm i'm a bit precious with like what machines i use now like not all pendulums are created equal some of them have Mm. counterweights some of them don't um the same with hack squats some of them just like i don't what's that one where people go backwards that one doesn't seem backwards you mean the hack squat yeah the hack squat where they they don't have back support properly and they use it backwards i used to do that and then i never again yeah, I get too Never. much sheer force through my low back when it's I It's gross. That. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, mm. I, I don't know. So I I like I don't um, even really rate the hack squat machine to be honest either. I find have it so you uncomfortable. Cybex hack squats. No. Oh, I can't remember what brand we've got. Next level, the only hack squat I like, just because it's on that 45 degree. And if you reverse band it as well, I really like being able to do that. Mm. But that's How's the this only forty five. The only hack squat I like is a Cybex one. They're quite difficult to find as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but all those other weird hack squat things, because when you squat down, it doesn't even make sense the way the plate goes at the bottom, like where your feet are. Because your back is straight and then just yeah. your legs move. I don't yeah. like it. No, yeah, no. I love things that, things that carry over into our other movements. Mm. Yeah, but that's just us. Yeah, it depends on what your goal is. Like I really like a pendulum um, mm-hmm. as well that's got the back squat because you can hold on and just brace as well. Yeah. Um, so it depends on the machine. It depends on the brand. It depends on your goal. It depends on everything else. Your anatomy. Yeah, that's it. We should just have an episode for 45 minutes. We just say it depends. How's <laughs> it that? Depends. That's me in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Lucky last question. Ready to do it? Mm. Michaela with three E's. When should you take a deload? Or can you please discuss the topics of deloads? Hmm. Mm. I feel like a lot of people think that they need a deload when they don't. Yeah. If you're new, you don't really need one because guaranteed you might, or not if you're new, but in general, you might go on a holiday for a week and that's your deload. Or Mm. you might change gyms or you might get a new program. All of these things can actually be classified as deloads. Mm, yeah and it depends on um so yeah like what danny said if you're a beginner you know the first year or a couple years of your training even um you're 
probably not going to have like neurologically the intensity um, that would put you in a place of overtraining because Mm. when you're deloading, it's sort of to go through that super compensation sort of process when you're looking at programming where you overreach and then you drop down so that your body can super compensate and recover. It's always a thing about recovery. So you shouldn't be getting to a point where you're overtraining. But what I will say is people might, you could you can overtrain by like training like shit and having other stresses in your life as well. So it's not a matter of like, do I need to take a deload from training? Like, I think it's just a management of stress and looking yeah. at the other areas and be like, do I need to improve my sleep? Do I need to eat more calories this week? Mm. Do I need to, oh, I don't know, change my program? Mm. Or do I actually physiologically need to deload because I'm at risk of overtraining? Yeah, yeah. Because what people do is um, they reach their peak in their lifts, for example, and you can't go anymore. Mm. But then they deload and try and go heavier, but you deload too hard Mm. that you actually can't hit your numbers again. So there is an art to it. It depends if we're just talking about programming wise to reach a new number. Mm. But that's at sort of the the elite training level. But if mm. we're talking about exercising, again, stress management, like what you said, yeah. um, is very important. So do I need a mental break and yeah. have a deload? It depends what you classify as a deload and where you're at. Yeah. And like I will say, you know, people definitely do need deloads at certain periods of time. And even like I spoke about in the other episode, I just had like the month of hell and I needed to pull back Mm. because there was so many other stresses going on in my life. And I'm not someone who can really go into the gym and not push. So it depends on your personality type as well. For me, it's like, I need to go in and be like, this is deloaded because mm. I'm probably not going to pull back by 10%. Mm. Um, so it's important to know where you're at in your, in your training. And, you know, I've probably only started including deloads the last six months consciously mm. when I feel like I need it around what I'm doing. And it's almost always influenced by other stress factors and not my training. I'm not sleeping well, so my training sucks. So I need to pull back from my training if I can't improve my sleep. Perfect. Yeah. I don't think I've actually had a deload since just after the comp. Yeah. Like, because every time I get a new program, you're kind of feeling out the numbers anyway, Mm. and you don't push as hard in week one compared to week three or four anyway. So it's kind of like a natural deload in your programming. But if I feel like I'm getting sick or run down or you should have seen me after the week and I felt like I was coming down with something. So I go into panic mode, not panic mode, but I'm like ultimate recovery mode. I'm drinking apple cider vinegar. I'm having (laughs) early nights, drinking like gargling salt. I'm like, there's no way I'm getting sick. Like, And that's technically a deload, you know. I I stop talking to people. I I just do my thing. I deload from society and recover. Yeah. Deload's all about recovery. And I've definitely Mm. deloaded clients that I could identify from their biofeedback that they just needed to pull back. Um, I can't control every other variable in their life, but I can control training and it's still a stressor. So Mm. when I do deload people, um, for me, it's usually just cutting the volume because I figure if you're going to deload, get in and do it right for a week rather than chasing your tail and end up getting sick and stringing it on for a month like what I did last time. Mm. Get in and deload, do it well, feel good get back to your training. And sometimes like um, I've spoken about, if I'm having a rough week before my period, I'll just call it a deload and be like, no, you know, I'm not feeling it. And I just need Mm. to respect that about my body. Yeah. Higher reps, lighter weight, you're still moving and you Mm. feel good, but yeah, exactly. There are so many different ways, but the moral is like, yes, listen to your body, but don't give yourself an out and just say, oh, I'm just having a deload when you're being lazy. Like there's a difference. Everything still has to be monitored. Mm, yeah. If we're to be successful at what we do. Yeah. 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 But then don't feel, um, you know, don't feel that like that guilt or that, I guess, don't feel bad if you need a pullback because you can't yeah. always be pushing forward. And if you're someone who does always push, you know, then it's really important to identify that about yourself and then start thinking about, okay, psychologically, what do I need to do so that I can aid recovery? Maybe I don't need to train as much. Maybe I need to cut a day. Maybe my frequency needs to reduce so I don't get to that place. It's about Mm. looking at your whole programming overall rather than being like, nope, every four weeks I cut my volume in half and drop intensity by 20%. You know, Mm. you can monitor other things, especially if you're training as a bodybuilder. Like a lot of bodybuilders don't deload. Yeah, like if your training is on fire, 
you are not going to stop. You ride that out. Like keep going just because in theory, oh, someone said every four weeks. Well, no, like if you're on fire at the moment, you ride it out. Listen Mm. to that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's our last question for today. So um, that was some good ones that came through there. You know, we hope that we answered them um, and did them justice and got to to the point because I know sometimes we do ramble, but that's all the fun of it, right, Danny? That's all the fun, man. That's why we're here, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing for the rest of the day? I'm working. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, I've got the workshops coming up on the weekend. So I'm just going to finish all my work um, today and tomorrow. So I'm in the right headspace for that. And happy days. Already trained. I did um, some squats just before this. And yeah, good times. How are you? Um, I've got an appointment with Abby, who we had on the podcast. Ah. I haven't seen her in a little while. Um, What are you working on? Uh, just skin still. So mm. this is the first period that I've gotten through and I haven't had a big, like a breakout. So wow. I'm pretty proud. She did tell me it'd take about four months. So yeah. it's been about that. Um, so that's good. I've got that treatment and then I've just got um, a bit more coaching stuff to do, a bit more program work, but yeah. Happy it's, days. It's Happy days, right? Day in the life of. That's yeah. it. I'll meet you down at either the, where the, the um, pole dancing studio yeah. or down at time zone for some dance dance revolution. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> oh, bring your tickets, right? Yeah, God, I'll dust them off and bring them along. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in uh, to another episode of Ask the Coaches or the Q&A, as we like to call them. So, you know, if you did enjoy this episode and you did uh, gain something or if we answered your question, uh, please do take a screenshot, uh, tag myself, tag Danielle, and, of course, the Level Up podcast. Thank you.